Throughout the history of the church, much has been written and spoken about overcoming temptation. Let me read to you what a 5th century Christian preached once to his congregation. This is what he said, Fly from all occasions of temptations. And if still tempted, fly further. If there is no escape possible, then have done with running away and show a bold face and take the two-edged sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Some temptations must be taken by the throat as David killed the lion. Others must be stifled as David hugged the bear to death. Some of you had better keep to yourselves and not give air. Shut them up as a scorpion in a bottle. Scorpions in such confinement die soon. But if allowed to crawl out and put back into the bottle and cork down, they will live a while longer and give you further trouble. Keep the cork on your temptations and they will die of themselves. That's a little homey advice, isn't it? Some of it not biblical, but that was the current preaching on temptation 15 centuries ago. Others through the years have tried to overcome temptation by, in effect, denying that it even exists. One heretical monk from the early days of the church named Jovinian taught that after a person was baptized, he would be forever free from the devil's power and temptation. Jerome, the translator of the Latin Vulgate, who lived in Bethlehem and translated it, many centuries ago, wisely commented on this heretical monk that baptism certainly has never drowned the devil, which I thought was very, very apropos. A German pastor, though, in World War II, more recently in our time, was hung because of his personal faith in Jesus Christ and his unwillingness to turn from following Christ. He, while in prison, wrote a sermon on temptation. I'd like to read to you one paragraph of that sermon because it's very pointed for what we're looking at in our text this morning. This is what he wrote. In our members, there is a slumbering inclination towards desire, which is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire will seize and take mastery over our flesh, and all at once a secret smoldering fire has been kindled. The flesh begins to burn and is in flames. It makes no difference whether it is sexual desire, ambition, vanity, or a desire for revenge, a love of fame, of power, or greed for money, or finally that strange desire for the beauties of the world or of nature. Joy in God at that moment is extinguished in us, and we seek all of our joy in the creature or the creation rather than the creator. At that moment, God is quite unreal to us, he loses all reality, and our only desire for our creature needs becomes real. The only reality is the devil. Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. And the lust thus aroused envelops the mind, takes over the will, and takes us to deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination of decision are taken from us. It is here that everything within me rises up against the word of God. That was his testimony of what he endured in prison as temptations came before him. Let's look at our text. James chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Read, or follow along as I read. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But everyone is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. 
And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. 